0: Uh, Greetings, you're watching the online ministry from St. Augustine's Anglican Church in Varel. My name is Adam Draycott and welcome. Our sentence of scripture today uh, comes from Psalm 47. It says, clap your hands, O people, shout out with loud songs of joy. Let's have a time of praise. This ministry has been prepared for the 26th of June uh, 2022. Our Bible readings today uh, come from Ecclesiastes chapter 12. We're going to finish our series in this book. Uh, we're going to read Psalm 16 and our New Testament reading is Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 to 17. Uh, and if you want another reading beyond that, uh, Matthew 24 verses uh, 29 and 30 or thereabouts we'll have that ready for quick reference that'd be helpful let me pray father God as we come to the ministry of your word please speak to our hearts by your spirit Show us the glory and wonder that it is your Son Jesus. Help us to heave your word, uh, to respond in faith and repentance, uh, that we might glorify you. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. I thought I was going to die. I was traveling along, I was traveling west along Sydney's M4 motorway. And I think maybe I was still on my piece and I'm in the fast lane, the inside lane, and oncoming is a big ute, and in front of me, I see something launch from the back of this ute, uh, and it's two surfboards rocket straight up into the air, and there's traffic beside me, there's traffic behind me, and uh, you, you know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that well, there was one surfboard I felt sure was going to come straight through my windscreen like you know lethal Weapon style if you've seen the movie um i thought this is it i thought this is the end i'm gonna die death by surfboard was not really how i uh, imagined it um but it was sobering as a young man it reminded me that death can come at any time and that i need to be ready question are you ready are you ready? Maybe it's not on your radar. Maybe you think the simple act of dying uh, is an automatic ticket to heaven somehow. And that's a popular belief. Maybe meaning your maker isn't on your radar because, hey, let's face it, you're young and you're invincible, uh, sure. Uh, Maybe your answer, as we've read through Ecclesiastes, is come, Lord Jesus, come. Well, let's turn to chapter 12, verse 1. Uh, Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Uh, I read verse 1 and I think, yeah, 30s are great. Being 30, awesome. Uh, And then 40 comes along like a bus. Toot-toot, bang. And it's all downhill from there. In case you didn't know that, there you go. Now you do. The days of trouble are advancing years. The longer we live, the more frustrations we experience under the sun. This is true. How important then it is to get the foundation right whilst we're young. Youth ministry is vital. Uh, As life really begins to launch... We need to get this fundamental thing right. As young people, got to get it sorted. What? Your relationship with God. So let me give you an example. If you're 16, uh, you might only be two years away from making some of the biggest life-shaping, life-changing decisions in all of your life. Think your job, where you will live, do that job, who you'll marry. They're all within the realm of possibility, uh, not far away, only two years away. See? And so the question then is, is God going to be at the center of those decisions when you make them? Will God know best or will it be you who knows best? And so hence the encouragement, remember your creator, get it right now. Now we come to verses two to five. There are lots of approaches to these Uh, understanding these verses. Um, Some see this house or uh, a village as an allegory of old age, advancing years, see. Uh, And certainly Bible study cheat notes will suggest this. And so verse three, strong men stoop, um, (laughs) grinders ceasing, apparently isn't about a flour mill, but about people's grinding of their teeth, but there's only a few. So maybe they've fallen out, who knows? Um, Looking through the window dimly, Uh, is a bad eyesight apparently Uh, verse four everything is closing up which is funny because i thought it was the opposite problem with old age um uh, verse five when people are afraid of heights you know stay off step ladders. Uh, verse five desire is no longer stirred i'm not touching that uh the almond tree there's an almond tree in verse five now this gets this is where i go oh because an almond tree blossoming means it's yet to bear fruit. So that's kind of like a picture of unfulfilled potential. If we go that way, Uh, I get why people are drawn to the allegory of old age. I do. There is another alternative um, where we let scripture interpret scripture. Um, Do we read this at face value? And does anyone else see a cosmic cataclysmic catastrophe here? Why don't we just read it that way? Um, If we take the text as we find it. So verse three, the housekeepers really are trembling. Uh, Those looking through windows grow dim. Their eyes are dim with despair and grief at this imminent destruction. Dashed hopes is on view. Verse four, everything closes down. Oh, yeah, we've been there. We know what that's like. Uh, If we live in a big center, especially, and the sounds of businesses fade Yeah, we've tasted that. It's called a global pandemic, a catastrophe. Verse 5, grasshoppers dragging themselves along the ground. They don't seem very hoppy. Uh, But you say grasshoppy, grasshoppy, you say grasshopper. And my imagination recalls cosmic catastrophe around Pharaoh and the plagues. It was the end for him. Revelation chapter 9, locusts grasshopper the end Uh, and then well Adam what about the almond tree well it's interesting because in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 11 it's it's part of this sign of coming judgment but that aside look at verse 2 this is what grabbed me verse 2 is the trigger for me as I think about uh, the end the sun the light the moon the stars are all retreating which is classic Typical language about the day of the Lord. Why don't we read this remembering the day of the Lord? Why don't our imaginations go there? The end of world history. What's bigger than that? Uh, This is classic prophet language about the day of the Lord. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Amos, Joel, Revelation. I've got all the cross-references outlined in your sermon notes if you want to look them up. But then you go, but hang on. Isn't this also reminiscent of how Jesus spoke about his return? So Matthew 24, verse 29, immediately after the day. uh, Let me start again. Matthew 24, verse 29. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. there will be mourning. See? Verse 41, if you're still in Matthew, there's, you can meet women grinding flour at the mill. They're not grinding whatever teeth they've got left. They're actual people in a village going about life, ordinary life, when the Lord returns. Mark 13 is similar. So, friends, if we let Scripture interpret Scripture, maybe we'll see this is bigger than just the experience of growing old. Maybe we'll see it's bigger than maybe a funeral or just death. Maybe this is written so beautifully. Maybe we can reference those things. But it serves a bigger thing, bigger than getting old, bigger than death. What is the bigger thing? It's the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord when Jesus returns. And what are we to do in light of the return of Jesus? Jesus tells us, verse 44 of Matthew's gospel, chapter 24. You've got to be ready. You must be ready. Because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you don't expect him. Teacher says the end will come. Here in Ecclesiastes 12, Jesus says the end will come. Are you ready? Do you know who Ted Williams is? He's uh, apparently a baseball legend. So if you live in the US, you might know who he is. Uh, he had himself cryonically frozen after he died in 2002. It costs him about 120 grand. And he awaits the day when science can repair dead cells and bring people life again. Uh, bring people back to life again. Because ice, ice will fix it. <laughs> Do you reckon this is what Jesus has got in mind? I don't think so. Look at verse 6. We'll keep plugging away. Remember him. What does the teacher have in mind? Remember him. Before the silver cord is severed uh, and the golden bowl is broken, that'd be disappointing. Uh, before Before the pitcher, that's a, um, a water, water jar, vase, is shattered at the spring, that would be not only disappointing that could spell the demise uh, if you've uh, at the well broken at the well you've walked all the way to the well for some water and the pulley is broken that actually could that's worse than being thirsty and not getting a drink that could spell your demise and so again the end is on view verse 6 before that before those disappointing things what well verse 6 remember him Or verse 1, remember your creator. The teacher has told us, verse 5, people will go to their eternal home. Verse 7, from the dust, uh, uh, the dust returns to the ground it came from. So the spirit returns to God who gave it. Is death the end? Is death the end here? Answer no. But it is the next chapter. Chapter eleven, verse nine says, "God will bring you into judgment." Verse seven, the spirit returns to the God, to God who gave it. So let me say it again: death is not the end. It's not death and then heaven, where the only qualification I need for heaven is death. Now the teacher says, "No, remember your creator." But why? Because forgetting God is dangerous. Just ask Israel. Forgetting God is a claim of autonomy. And you are not autonomous. You're a creature. You're not God. Remembering your Creator here is more than just jogging your memory. It's more than intellectual acknowledgement. To remember your Creator is to consciously allow God's great acts of the past to shape our outlook in the present. So let's pick one. Let's pick one of God's great acts in the past. Which, Which act of God from the past could shape our outlook in the present? What do you think? What if we go for the cross? That would be a great act from the past, wouldn't it? Romans 5, God demonstrates his love for us in this. Whilst we were sinners, Christ died for us. How does that shape my outlook in the present? Well, Paul tells us in chapter 12, verse 1. Uh, Brothers, sisters, by the mercy of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. See, on account of the cross, as we remember our Creator, as we remember His great acts of the past, Remember the cross. Remember what Jesus did. And now you, let that shape you now. Count the cost. Die to self. Put others first. Verse 3 of chapter 12 Romans. Don't think yourself better than others. Verse 10, be devoted to one another. Walk in the steps of Jesus. That's true and proper worship. And so again, to remember your creator is to consciously allow God's great acts of the past to shape your outlook in the present, in the now. So again, how about that cross? I mean, I didn't even go to the F word, did I? Forgiveness. Does the cross of Christ, does that shape your ability to forgive others? It must. Verse 8. The teacher is about to step off the platform. He's observed life under the sun. Life is broken. It's confusing. Our world is cursed. We've walked through the valley of the shadow of death. The dark days are many, but there is joy to be found by remembering our creator. That's Ecclesiastes. The dark days are many, but there is joy to be found by remembering our creator. How do the shadows retreat? Remember your creator. Remember his great acts of the past. Uh, I wish we could wake up to how profound and positive this command is to remember your creator. That we would stop looking at our toes and stop thinking about how depressing Ecclesiastes is and see the streaks of light throughout the book that encourage us in every way to look to God, our creator, and to think about our relationship with him. Now, take a deep breath. In verse nine onwards, you might remember in the first talk, I mentioned two voices in the book. There's the narrator who introduces the teacher and then the teacher speaks speaks. And then now the teacher stepped off. He finished the way he began bewildering life is bewildering. but Now the narrator comes in and gives us two bobs. So verse nine, not only was the teacher wise, uh, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and said in order, many proverbs. Okay. We know that verse 10, the teacher searched to find just the right words what he wrote was upright and true. So there's a verdict. This is good for us. I don't don't know know if you enjoyed his words. Um, uh, Verse 11, the words of the wise are like goads. Ah, so cattle prod, big stick with nails uh, in it, used to motivate cattle uh, or stock. Um, uh, We were sharing this during the week. One church family member would promise his children to pack said cattle prod. Um, maybe it didn't have nails, maybe it was electrified um, as he was packing for holidays. If you don't behave, I'll pack, I'll put the cattle prod, I'll pack it and we'll go on holidays. Um, there it is, spare the rod, spoil the child. Now, how do you reckon a cattle prod would go at youth group actually? Uh, Tony Blake would probably turn up with one if he thought he could get away with it. Um, how would parents react if the kids said youth leaders turned up to motivate them with cattle prods. And some parents would be cheering. Um, And you should be because metaphorically, metaphorically we do. Here are words that must not depress us. Don't let them get them down. Let them stir you to action, positive action. Let these words guide you and even shock you. I'm okay with that. Give us a zap. And correct our path. These words are good for us. We need these words. And yes, sure, you won't like them sometimes. But we need them because God's truth, it hurts. It rebukes our pride. And as your pastor, that's me included. I've gone home many a Sunday uh, having felt rebuked. uh, And I'm the preacher. But these are words from one shepherd. And here the shepherd isn't me, it's the Lord. The Lord is the shepherd and he gives us what we need. That's verse 11. Uh, We'll pick it up again at verse 13. Uh, Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. All right, let's finish this. Ecclesiastes reminds us the world is broken. Death pervades everything in creation. Why? Genesis 3, because you disobeyed me. From dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam and Eve did not fear God and keep his command. They thought they knew better. They thought they could decide what was good and not good. And that's the core of our problem. Why? Because we're the same. We don't fear God. We think we know better. We want to be God. But we're actually dust. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 7. The dust returns from the dust it came from. That's us. That's our our destination. So people of dust, are you ready for death? Are you ready for death? My dad went to see a thoracic surgeon. Uh, There was nothing he could do for dad. Stage four cancer. He was gonna be gone in a couple of months. Uh, His cancer, lung cancer was incurable. And I still remember the thoracic surgeon. Uh, He's got nothing, but he still offers a few um, encouragements for dad. Like here's some life recommendations. As expected, uh, Mr. Drake will get your will in order. Uh, See the people that you need to see. He's quite partial at this point. And then to our great surprise, his final recommendation, uh, make your peace with God, he said. Even the thoracic surgeon understood the need, the reality that we will all meet one's maker, our creator. And so we need to be ready for death. Truth be told, Dad. Dad Dad. was organized for years. He. It wasn't because he had the will written. He was organized, but it wasn't because he had life insurance, which ironically really is death insurance. Uh, it wasn't because he had the funeral organized or the plot paid for or even the preacher lined up for his funeral. Uh, Dad was organized because Jesus was his Lord and Saviour. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is the bright floodlight that shines on this dark, broken world. Jesus is the big, bright floodlight that shines over this book. He entered this bewildering world and he's tasted all of this and he's kicked death in the bum. And the promise is, come judgment, that he will remember you. And he will even vouch for you. Here's an encouragement, read the Gospels with someone, show them the honesty of Ecclesiastes even and then show them the contrast and the glory of Jesus in the Gospels as he undoes the curse, as it unravels. Show people that you don't get to heaven simply just by dying You don't decide. You don't know better. You don't set the terms. Show people their need for Jesus. Because the world needs Jesus. And our town needs Jesus. And our friends and our loved ones need Jesus. If God will bring every deed into judgment, if there's no hiding from him, and if there's no excuses, we must have Jesus. And we must share him too. And the question is, are you ready? Are you ready? He's bl- As we come to a time of prayer, remember the resources that you have. Uh, Spend some time giving thanks to God for what you've learned in this. uh, It is a wonderful book, the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, Think about the highlights and the encouragements. Hold on to them. Jesus is the bright, big, bright floodlight that shines on this dark world. And give thanks to God for that. Uh, Please pray for our missionaries. Uh, our partners in the gospel, particularly if you're in Inverell, please be praying for Andy and Margie Newman. Uh, <laughs> what a season they're having in Uganda as they navigate a pandemic, a change of bishop and uh, and other things that are very challenging. Uh, hard enough being a missionary without these extra things on top of that. But the good news is still good news and pray for them as they faithfully seek to proclaim it there in the North Kigesi Diocese. Uh, Pray for the work of CMS please Uh, pray for uh, our church family we have needs we um, have an AGM coming up Uh, we have a a deficit budget that we need to wrestle with and uh, we have positions available on our parish council. Please be praying that God would raise up uh, capable, gifted, godly, uh, ministry-minded leaders, uh, people to to lead our church family into the next season ahead. It's vitally important. That's it from me. Uh, Whatever the case, make sure you do pray. As you're thinking about resources for prayer, remember the Lord's Prayer is there. Meditate on that and pray through that. And there's also a blue screen that will appear in a moment uh, that will have some other hints for you as well. Uh, Remember, if you are giving, uh, there's uh, a direct debit information at the end of this video, which I commend to you as well. Uh, We're really keen for the present delivery, the present form of ministry to be maintained here in Inverell and so We commend that to you. Let's close with the words of the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you. And most of all, may the Lord grant you his peace. Amen.